Welcome back, everyone, to From the Stands. This is the college football game day show. It is week six here. Andy's throwing up a, a four and one. Four and one. I don't know if you guys remember last <laughs> last week's show. Tom throwing up the four and oh. So I'm I'm throwing the shade after Brian and I called it. We called the win. Uh, Tom, I, I won't be mean anymore the rest of the episode. That's all I have to say. Yes, he is, of course, talking to Tom Scavetta here, our resident Notre Dame fan. <laughs> Tom, you took the loss, but how's it going? Uh, it's going all right. <laughs> you know, at least um, I know it's the college football show, but you predicted a Giants win on Sunday. So that, that kind of made up for it a little bit. Um, it's going all right. You know, it's it's a tough loss because, you know, I mean, Notre Dame has looked really pedestrian their first few games of the season. So now it's kind of like you have to run the table convincingly in order to even get consideration to make the college football playoff. So, um, you know, it was, it was really tough. The mixing matching of quarterbacks didn't really make sense to me. Tyler Buchner, Drew Pine, I mean, Cone threw a pick in the red zone. So I don't know if you want me to go too far into it now, but it, it was just, it was a tough day. Um, you guys would be appalled by the amount of Notre Dame fans that are in the state of New York. Um, there's a lot of Notre Dame bars and, um, it's crazy because if you walk in, you're a fan of another team, you'll get looked at. It's it's hysterical. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was, it, was, it was unfortunate. I don't want to say I saw it coming, but I knew this would be a tough one to win. But as the Notre Dame fan, I had to have hope. And, um, you know, just hopefully Mayor is okay for next week. And hopefully, you know, who the starting quarterback is for Virginia Tech. Because I preluded that. I think Virginia Tech is not going to be a walkover game either. They're a tough place to play. So, um, you know, it's very unfortunate, but hats off to you guys. Hats off to Desmond Ritter, even though I don't like what he said, and I still stand by that. I think <laughs> really dumb on his behalf, but uh, yeah, shout out Bearcats. Their defense was outstanding, and uh, better better luck next time to my Irish. Andy, Illinois did have a win. Not as tough as an opponent, but uh, how, how's your week going after that win? Well, listen, we'll take any win that we can get. I'm going to give a shout-out to Chase Brown, Illinois running back. Uh, 257 yards and two touchdowns. The 257 is, I think, fourth all-time uh, in a single game in Illinois football history. So he was absolutely getting whatever he wanted. Yeah, of course, it is against Charlotte, but Illinois has got to get wins somehow. Uh, they're currently 2-4. <laughs> and four. If they want to get to four and six, or if they want to get to six and six bowl eligibility, they're going to have to go four and two at least. Uh, they do have to, I think, play on the road at Iowa and Penn State, so there's no chance there. I think, other than that, they've got like <laughs> Northwestern, Minnesota. Oh, who else? Like a couple other beatable teams, but if it's, they'll find some way to fuck it up. So, awesome win. Uh, it was it was nice to see them get back in the win column. It hurts like you guys might look at me crazy but they they legitimately could be like four and two or you could make a case for five and one right now if they knew how to manage the clock or uh make plays in uh, late game situations but we're two and four um you know start of the big Burt era uh we'll give them a year to kind of settle in but yeah great weekend of football uh like one of the most hyped up weekends of football we've had all year um definitely which i I mean, obviously, I, I loved every minute of it, but it was a little disappointing, some of the games, <laughs> I would say. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm here. I'm happy to be here, excited to talk about our, our little recap and then get into this uh, new week of football. So, 
and we will jump right in the recap because I do not want to talk about UCF uh, and that loss. Uh, I'll blame it on, we're short on time. That's what I'm going to go with here. Wow. Wow, what a week. <laughs> Illinois, the only one of the three of us that got a win. Wow, yeah. so you know it's a rare week. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so we'll jump right into the weekly recap. Uh, what other games besides you guys' home teams uh, caught your eye here from this last week? Andy, we'll start with you. Um, so I don't want to pour it on Tom here, but I, I do want to mention the Cincinnati game. It was a great game. They almost fell apart in the second half. I think we were talking about it. I was shocked about how many Cincy fans there were at the game. There was a lot of red in that stadium at South Bend. Uh, and they go on the road, they end up getting it done. Um, I think Desmond Ritter had a great game. It was like, what, 297, two scores. Uh, Ford was pretty decent on the ground, I think about 70 yards. Uh, the defense played great. They were getting a lot of pressure, a lot of quarterback hits um, on whoever. <laughs> the Irish were throwing back there. <laughs> Other than that, um, a big win uh, for Georgia, who I think made the biggest statement. Uh, 37-0 over Arkansas. Absolutely, like the Razorbacks just look lost out there. Like that defense, I'm sticking to it. They are the best defense in the country. Uh, and then, of course, we have Bama just, you know, absolutely sticking it to uh lane and the uh old miss rebels the, the the crimson tide had their popcorn ready ladies and gentlemen um that was like those are the two games i mentioned earlier they were kind of depressing because we hyped them up so much it's like oh this could be this changing of the guard in the <laughs> fcc like are these teams for real or not and it's not that they lost but it's just like okay yeah we saw how much farther ahead georgia and alabama are uh than the rest of this um than the rest of the field. So I cannot wait for the Georgia-Bama matchup. Uh, in the SEC as well, we had Mississippi State taking down, who was it, Texas A&M, right? Uh, Michigan taking it to Wisconsin. I'm sorry I mentioned a bunch here, but there were a lot of really good games. I had a full fucking, uh, like, 12 hours of football on Saturday. It was amazing. Um, Oregon got screwed at the end. You'll hear about that later. Um <laughs> uh, what, and then the last game I wanted to mention was Hawaii, shouting them out. They took down Fresno State at home. Jake Hayner, really uncharacteristic unchar performance. Jesus Christ, I can't talk. I think he threw four interceptions. Yeah, four interceptions uh, kind of didn't blow the game. The defense didn't play super well, but really uncharacteristic performance from not just Hayner, but the whole Bulldog squad. And, I mean, good on Hawaii for getting a win over a ranked opponent. Yeah, that, that was a, a fun one. Four interceptions. I think he was just going for, for the yards there and just yakking them up because he did have almost 400 yards. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, the Oregon loss, obviously, very, very bad. Uh, we'll touch on Cincinnati here and that Notre Dame game in a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about the Kentucky game. Uh, that was a fun yes. one, mainly because I hate Florida, but uh, that is their second win, I believe, in the last 35 home games uh, for Kentucky against Florida. That's one of those. That's one of those streaks. Just as it's so draining, when a team just keeps coming to your home and beating you and beating you and beating you. Uh, especially Kentucky is usually a decent team. It's not like they're terrible. Um, you know, they're usually fifteen to twenty-five ranking. You know, they'll, then they'll fall out, get back in. Um, but they're not a bad team. So that was that was fun to see the those fans rush the field again. Um, yeah, like you said, Ole Miss Bama wasn't as fun as we thought. Well, now hold on. Now Kentucky's five and zero. Now it's they, their turn to, to go to Bama or Georgia and get Molly. Yes. Popped. Yep. And then uh, 
also, speaking of mollywopped, like you said, Arkansas, absolutely mollywopped by Georgia. What um, were you thinking? I listen. I what were <laughs> we talked? It, it's interesting because we talked about. I think it was Andy on the last show talked about uh, Arkansas maybe taking advantage of the noon game, getting the crowd into it slowly. But it was the exact opposite. Arkansas slept walked through the first quarter, 21-0. Obviously, you know, Georgia probably toned it down a little bit once, you know, things were rolling there. But the last three quarters were a little bit better. Um, Again, Georgia's still in a league of their own uh, compared to Arkansas for anyone that watched that game. But, you know, the rest of the game at least wasn't as much of a stomping as that first quarter. So... Um, well, they, would they start off with like a safety or like three punts? <laughs> it was just like they couldn't even get past their own like 40 yard line for the first like majority of the first half. And then I, I mean, I usually write on this show, guys. And once again, I was that the run game completely neutralized. Jefferson couldn't pass like at all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Georgia's defense is for real, dude. And they are the, the best chance, the biggest threat to Alabama, in my opinion. Yeah, they're scary. Uh, Tom, besides the Notre Dame-Cincy game that I know you watched, uh, what, what else caught your eye? Well, I mean, I did catch some of the Georgia-Arkansas game on my phone. It was crazy. Neither quarterback threw for 100 yards. I know Stetson Bennett <laughs> was in the game. Um, and the dogs outrushed the Razorbacks 273-75. to So there's why they won the football game right there. Um, we mentioned Oregon falling to Stanford. Tanner McKee had three touchdown passes uh, for the Stanford Cardinal. I mean, I just thought that was insane. And then um, you know, the other game, I know I touched upon it before, but um, when, when you turn the ball over three times early on, you're not going to win football games. And Notre Dame set themselves up for failure on Saturday. So, you know, it's very unfortunate. But uh, those are kind of my three games. I didn't really get to catch many other games. I know, I mean, you guys mentioned um, a, cu- a couple others. I know Texas A&M, they were very high ranked. And now all of a sudden they're unranked. So, you know, they've dipped a lot. And Two straight losses. Iowa continues to move up in the rankings. We can say what we want about their quarterback, but hey, fifty-one still, points. They're still there. They are. They're still yeah. there. And then, just very quickly, I want to because I uh, pointed this out last week that Michigan fans might be mad that we left them off the slate. That Louisville Wake Forest game. I don't know if anyone watched it, but that was a really was good crazy. game. That was a good ass game. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, capped it off with that game-winning field goal. Uh, in the dying seconds, over a thousand yards of offense. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah, yeah, that, that was a really cool game. Um, but Spend that'll wrap it for the points. for the weeklies here. Uh, I'm sure most people caught a lot of the games, anyways. Um, we're gonna move into a segment called Contender or Pretender. Uh, some of these, some people think are for real. Some think they're just straight up pretenders. Uh, we're gonna start off start off here uh, with our first one, which is Michigan. Uh, they're currently trending in the Big Ten, uh, ranked number 14. Still have some big games left on the schedule. Are they a contender here, or are they a pretender, Tom? Well, the thing about Michigan, and, and of course, I mean, you already know what my answer is going to be before it even comes out of my mouth because I'm a Notre Dame fan. <laughs> but um, in my opinion, they have the second-best edge rusher in the nation behind Kayvon Thibodeau. Aiden Hutchinson has four-and-a-half sacks in five games. 
David Ajabo has been really good for them too defensively. And they have two outstanding tailbacks in Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins who are combined for 13 touchdowns. So that's a recipe for success right there. You have two backs you could rely on. I really like Cade McNamara. He's been turnover free through the first five games. And Cornelius Johnson is the guy that he has to re- rely on. And the Wolverines have been a very impressive team. They're 5-0. and They moved up five spots but they haven't really played anybody yet, and they only beat Rutgers by seven. I'm still looking at their schedule. They have number 11, Michigan State. They have number four, Penn State, and they have number seven, Ohio State. They're dropping probably two of those games, if I had to imagine, at least one. So in my personal opinion, they are pretenders only because of their schedule. Although I will say this, um, if they play well in those games, I may have to go back on that uh, Jim Harbaugh getting fired statement um, <laughs> that we were kind of debating over early on in the season because he's done a, a really nice job. I know Rutgers was not a convincing win, but unless they shit the bed in these, you know, three ranked games, then, I mean, you can't, you can't really complain about the season, even if you don't make the college football playoff. But I do think they are pretenders. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a typical Michigan Sure, I mean, I've said this for several other teams, but Michigan also applies here. Schrodinger's Michigan, where they just kind of hover in that mid, like, 15 to 20 range. Uh, and you never actually know they're good, if they're good, uh, until, like, three-fourths of the way through the season because that's when their big games are usually scheduled. Um, I mean, Michigan State's been faltering a little bit, but, I mean, they're ranked this season, so that's going to be a big game. Uh, and then they have Ohio State just a few weeks later. Um, but yeah, like they've got some good players, uh, on a solid all around squad this year. And it's, it's see, it does seem to me like a, a bit of a different squad. Usually, um, I'll catch like a, a half of Michigan. Cause usually, I mean, big tens games are pretty decent. And if not, you get to laugh at Michigan. So, um, it's a, it's a win-win for neutral fans, but this team looks, I, I don't know. They just, they don't, they don't look sketchy. Uh, if that makes sense, um, that just seems to be a common theme of Harbaugh's teams. They'll, uh, at least in Michigan, um, th- they'll have a decent start, and then you know halfway through the season, they just not not just shit the bed, but they look panicked on the field. And this team looks cohesive. Um, so yeah, th- I think they have a good amount of pieces here. McNamara, uh, Corum. Uh, I th- I don't think. We're going to see anything like an undefeated Michigan or maybe one lost Michigan. Um, I think they could beat a team like Penn State. Uh, We'll see how that game uh, against Iowa goes for Penn State this week um, to get a real test on on Penn State's uh, team here. But yeah, I I don't, as a contender for something like a CFP, I would say probably not. Um, Contender maybe for Big Ten championship game, uh, I could see maybe happening though. So they're kind of in the middle for me. But uh, if we're going CFP here, uh, I'm going to go with Pretender. Uh, Andy? I'm going to go with Contender, boys. I got to go against the grain here. (laughs) Going Contender. uh, John Harbaugh knows that – I'm sorry. Is it No, it's Jim Harbaugh. Jim. It's Jimmy. Uh, The human (laughs) body craves contact. Well, one of my favorite Jim Harbaugh quotes. Um, he knows that his back is kind of against the wall. He knows that seat is warming up. He knows he needs to have a big year. He knows he needs to beat Ohio state. 
this year as well. And I think this is the best chance Michigan has to beat Ohio State than, than that they've had in, let's say, 10 years, guys. Like, I, legit. Um, if you look at the schedule, I love what Tom brought up about – oops. Uh, I love what Tom brought up about um, – the ranked opponents, because if you look at who else they have to play, so it's like this week they get a Nebraska team, which Michigan is actually only favored by three and a half. I think they go to Nebraska. Uh, they have Northwestern still on the schedule. They also have, uh, I think, God damn it. I literally just had it pulled up. It shows you my memory is just shit, guys. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have it right here. Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland, Nebraska. So let's say they win those and drop the three against the ranked opponents, a nine and three Michigan, probably still going to be in the top 25. They probably still get a pretty decent bowl game. I think Harbaugh's job is still saved. I think they're better than that. I think they go 10 and two or 11 and one. I think they uh, take care of Michigan state this year. I think they take care of Ohio state. I think Penn state clips them in happy Valley. I'm going contender for the Michigan Wolverines because they have to, they have to be uh, for Jim Harbaugh to save his job. So, all right, nine and thirty. You think Har- Harby is safe, old Jimmy? Uh, see, yeah, I think he could go. Uh, yeah, that's probably better. That's probably better. Yeah. But I think if he were to go nine and three, and like let's say they dropped one to like Indiana or Maryland, <laughs> but they beat Ohio State, I think he's safe. Uh, okay. nine and three. Yeah, I think the boosters might enjoy that one enough to give them at least right. another year. All right, uh, moving on to the next one we have here, Kenny Pickett. He's the senior quarterback for the Pittsburgh Panthers uh, team in a struggling ACC, but he's not struggling um, pretty much for the first time in his career so far. Uh, I talked this guy up two years ago. I thought he was going to be the <laughs> next big thing. It took him a while, but he's having a— uh, a pretty solid season so far. 19 touchdowns, one interception, 1,700 yards, uh, and a 90.1 QBR, which is second in all of college football right now. Uh, is this guy a contender or pretender? Uh, Andy, will start with you this, on this one. He's moving up some draft boards. Yeah, so I am going to go contender again. Just because if you look at the top of the Heisman race, it's really Corral, Bryce Young, and then... You know, who else? Why not throw Pickett in this conversation? My only concern about this is Pittsburgh being unranked. I think they're going to have to keep winning ball games. They're going to have to move themselves into the top 25 for him to have a better chance because, I don't know, when was the last time we saw uh, somebody win the Heisman from an unranked team or even like not a top 10 team, right? Right. So I think as far as that goes, like he, he's going, they're going to have to keep winning ball games. But if you look at what he's done this year, it's been nothing short of impressive. He's gone for 300 plus yards in his last three games. That includes a 400 yard performance. Uh, I mean, it was over in <laughs> University of New Hampshire is a 77 <laughs> seven win. But anytime you can go for 405 touchdowns, that's an impressive day. But over his last three games, he's thrown 16 touchdowns. Uh, the loss to Western Michigan really is going to hurt them uh, as far as like a ranking goes. But if you look at their schedule the rest of the way, they don't play any teams that are ranked currently. They've got Virginia Tech, Clemson, uh, which Clemson is unranked right now, which is so weird. Miami, uh, Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, and Syracuse. So they're going to have a couple tough games in there. But 
if Pittsburgh can finish, if they win out and they finish this year at 11 and one, Kenny Pickett will be right in the thick of that Heisman conversation. All right, Tom, contender, pretender, Kenny Pickett. Well, Andy mentioned, yeah, they're playing a bunch of unranked teams, but they're playing a bunch of, you know, really good programs. You're going mm-hmm. up against uh, Ukulele for Clemson. You're going up against Sam Howell for UNC. So the potential is there for Kenny Pickett to be a contender. And I love the fact that he's a five-year guy. He's been in this organization for a long time. Uh, yes, Pitt is 4-1. and one. They do have a nice win against Tennessee on the road. Mm-hmm. And he's completing 72% of his passes. That 19 touchdown to just one interception ratio is very impressive. And in the game that they lost to Western Michigan, he still threw six touchdown passes. Yep. This guy's clearly a contender because we're literally scratching and clawing, trying to find a third guy to throw in the mix with mm-hmm. Matt Corral and Bryce Young. Kenny Pickett might be this third guy that we're looking for. So to be fair here, I do think he is a contender, but he does have somewhat of an uphill battle to come away with a trophy. You mentioned draft stock, though, Brian. This is the year. This is the year for him to shoot up those draft boards because, I mean, we've talked about it. I mean, on the show, off the show about, you know, we're not necessarily sold on this class of quarterbacks and enter Kenny Pickett, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I mean, Willis, I know some contentious opinions uh, between everyone here on the show on what his value is in the draft. Like you said, Sam Howell uh, at UNC, he's struggling a little bit. The team's struggling a little bit. He was, I thought at one point, a lock for top 10 based on uh, how much scouts were talking him up for this upcoming draft. Um, he started to to fade away a little bit. Um, so yeah, he did, they did have, they, they lost like all their weapons. I think he lost his top two running backs, his top two receivers and their defense just sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For lack of a better word, <laughs> right, their defense yeah. just sucks. Yeah. So, I mean, t- t- Tom, you threw out all the stats there. You pretty much touched on, uh, all the points here. I'm, I can't, can't, uh, bring this up enough. You know, when, when that touchdown interception ratio, uh, is as good as something like this, and you know the players are making, you know, good decisions. Yeah, last two years he's had nine interceptions each season. Last year wasn't even a full season, so, you know, that doesn't look great. I think what did they play? Eight games probably last year. Um, so you know yeah. when, plus, plus I guess bowl game. So if, when you're throwing an interception per game, um, that's never a great look when you're a, a fourth year redshirt senior. Sorry, um, or a redshirt junior last year sorry um but yeah even like you said the western michigan game that wasn't really his fault and that could i mean i think teams will look past it but i, I do agree that if they are ranked this would look a lot better um but he did throw six touchdowns that game i don't know what else he wanted him to do the defense just decided to let western michigan score you know 44 points on you is is never gonna help so uh yeah i'm also going with contender here um both for heisman and for you know, sneaking in maybe first round of the draft because he, he's looked good so far. Um, and if he can keep it up, you know, with these other people struggling, uh, he's, he's got a pretty good chance at, you know, getting into that, you know, low 20 to 30 range, which to me, people don't talk about this enough. I think that's where you want to be as a, as a QB. Like we saw uh, Mac Jones was what, fourth or fifth picked uh, QB this last this past year. He's probably in the best situation out of all those QBs that got drafted. You know, you guys ha- got a uh, Justin Fields there in Chicago, Andy, but he's getting just absolutely to him. 
Just yeah. committed to him. But he's getting murdered because the O-line can't protect him. Meanwhile, Mac well, just... Uh, this, isn't a, this isn't a football show. They only gave up one sack last week, my friend. He threw for 206 yards. So Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, well, I'll, probably, I'll, just, we just wait for this week. They'll give up nine more. Yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, personally, if I was a QB, that's where I would want to fall. Um, and he may fall in that range because he's, he's been looking pretty good. Uh, moving on. Up. Oh, go ahead. You got a fi- final thought there? No, I, I agree with you. Like, well, you want to be li- – well. Everybody wants to go 1-1. You want to be the best, but, like, look at Trevor Lawrence, too. Like, there's an 0-4 Jaguars team with Urban Meyer sticking his finger in young <laughs> girls' buttholes in Ohio on their on their off weekends. So, um, yeah, Mac Jones, I mean, he's playing for arguably the best head coach of all time. And, when, I mean, the later you go, usually that means your team is a little bit better. You're going to step into a better situation. You nailed it, Brian. There we go. So, good luck to you, Mr. Kenny Pickett. Um, moving on to our next one and our last one here, we have Cincinnati. Uh, I told you we're going to talk a little bit more about it later. Um, Cincinnati downed Notre Dame at Notre Dame this weekend. Uh, Tom, we'll start with you this one. Cause I know you watched probably the game from start to finish. Um, is Cincinnati now with this big win, a content, an actual contender, or are they just a pretender? Yes. They are a contender. Um, okay. They beat a team that made the college football playoff last year, and Notre Dame did deserve to make it last year. A lot of people were like, well, why did they make it? They got blown out by Clemson. We, we also beat Clemson. <laughs> um, Alex Alec Pierce is an outstanding receiver. You have a great quarterback in Ritter. Um, I'm still going to argue that there were times of this game where Notre Dame kept shooting themselves in the foot, the interception in the red zone. Chris Tyree with the fumble that set up Cincinnati to score, gave them a short field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were really no big plays for the Notre Dame offense outside of that 32 yard touchdown pass to uh, Braden Lindsay in the fourth quarter, where we cut the deficit to four since our kicker door tried to miss the extra point. But <laughs> the Bearcats defense held Kyron Williams to 45 yards. Now, granted, Notre Dame's O-line is not what it once was, right? That's what happens when you have four O-linemen get drafted within the first three to four rounds of the NFL draft, right? Which is insane. So, I mean, you have to rebuild that line a little bit. This is a little bit of a rebuilding year for that Notre Dame offensive line, that Notre Dame receiving core. And, you know, despite them being in somewhat of that rebuild, I'm not going to say rebuilding. I'll word it as retooling. I think the Bearcats really have a nice shot because their toughest opponents remaining are UCF, who has not looked good, uh, Tulsa, and then they do have a ranked opponent left, but they're ranked 24th. That's SMU. So on paper, that's their toughest matchup remaining. And if they handled number nine Notre Dame the way that they did, beating them by 11 points, 10, I'm going to say, because they missed the extra point. But um, I think Cincinnati has a really good shot of making this college football playoff based off their schedule and based off their resume. They are contenders. I'm also going contender here. Andy, you touched on it earlier. That crowd followed that team into the depths. All right, we're not talking hundreds. We're not talking thousands. There might have been a million Cincy fans in that stadium. They were oh, relax. <laughs> <laughs> there was a sea of red in two different corners. If I'm being if I'm being realistic, I think there was five thousand Cincy fans that somehow got into that stadium. I don't know how they got in. 
typically, <laughs> Andy is dying over here. <laughs> Relax. Tip, typically, you don't want to. If you're gonna sell to opposing fans, you better jack that that shit up, triple the price of the ticket. If you're gonna let all those fans in, um, and that's if you know for a fact you're gonna beat a team in a big game like that. You don't want your fans selling selling tickets uh, to opposing fans, but they were loud. I mean, it you played a factor. It did. Um, they they traveled. They were loud, and I think just being able. To look up into the, like, you know, see the corner of your eye, that sea of red, um, I think that did help because they were under pressure from the very get go there. Um, Notre Dame driving down, it looked like they were going to score on that, was was the first drive of the game, right? Yeah. Uh, and then they Gardner took, oh. took out Jack Cohn. Stick <laughs> with one quarterback. <laughs> Stick with one quarterback. I think everyone agrees with you. Um, I don't know what, what's going through Brian Kelly's mind. Um, I think some coaches need to, to be executed uh, if we're going to go with Brian Kelly's quote here. Um, but yeah, the, the team looked very good. They, they were under a lot of pressure here. This is probably the biggest game uh, in the last couple decades for them. It's the biggest game for the American Conference uh, probably in the last couple decades. Uh, well, I mean, Conference has converted names and all that, but you know what I mean? Uh, for the G5, I'll say. Um, and now they do have a legitimate shot. Like Andy said, this this upcoming schedule looks very, very weak. Um, I hate to say it, UCF is not good this year. Uh, Dylan Gabriel is injured, which probably would have been our only chance if he could pull, pull a rabbit out of his hat. That's probably not going to happen. He's still going to be questionable. Uh, we had freshman Mikey Keene. Um, cool little name there but you know not a, not enough going on uh skill wise yet uh still a very fresh qb so i don't think we're gonna be able to pull it off they play tulane tulsa usf who's very weak it's probably riding on the smu game um and i tweeted out uh last week it was kind of a given but i said if since he wins this game they're gonna be in the top four come on the october 16th rankings because, like we said, Iowa plays Penn State this upcoming week. Unless that game is like a three-overtime nail-biter that ends you know, with a field goal, I don't know how you don't jump since the end of that four spot. And then it's up to everyone else to show out that they deserve to pass them. Right now behind them is Oklahoma. They don't look like they're going to do that. Um, like you said, Michigan is undefeated. Um, we think they're a bit of a contender. They're probably still going to have to go undefeated, um, or at least one loss with maybe a loss to Penn State, and then win that uh, Big Ten championship game, or else I don't see them passing Cincy. So I think this is a real contender team here uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, I'm excited as a fan uh, of the AAC and the G5 here. Give us some respect. Give us a contender. We got one in Cincy. Um, Andy, contender or pretender? They're a pretender, and they now own the state of Indiana. Uh, mark that down. Back-to-back -back wins over uh, universities in Indiana. And this is – so the argument last year was they were good enough to make the playoff right, but it was, oh, they're not really beating their American Athletic Conference opponents by enough. They should be blowing them out. Um, and then it was, you know, they didn't – like their strength of schedule. So now they in back-to-back -back weeks, they go on the road and beat a Big Ten team. They go on the road and beat a ranked team that Tom mentioned, which that made the college football playoff, absolutely deserved to be in the playoff last year. Um, and I, you called it the biggest win in a couple decades. I think it's the biggest win in program history for Cincinnati. 
like what this means that is going to set them up it is now i mean they they hold their fate in their hands right you win out you'd like to think they're they're in especially in this year we've seen oregon's lost ohio state's lost those i mean at the time those were two top four top five teams um so yeah i'm definitely going with pretender i love what ritter's put together if he keeps it up maybe he gets thrown into that uh top four top five heisman conversation jerome ford's been a beast in the backfield um and in their defense they their their defense has been outstanding as well um you if you if you are cincinnati i think you hope smu keeps winning until uh you know you they play <laughs> just as so you get uh you know I mean? you want as many ranked wins uh as you can right i mean like you said ucf is having a down year uh, but like, so tomorrow they play, you, uh, since uh, they play temple on Friday, they need to beat them by like 40. Uh, they need to kick the shit out of Navy, uh, Tulane's <laughs> kind of having a down year beside after that, after taking Oklahoma to the wire, I think they, they're one in four or something like that. Uh, they, they just need to beat everybody. They're supposed to beat handily like South Florida. They should kick the shit out of them. <laughs> um, and then, you know, hang on for the, for the rank wins. I still think Tulsa could be a tough game. Uh, Tulsa's pretty good opponent. They have Davis Brin, uh, at quarterback as well. Who's, who's been pretty good for them for the past couple of years. Uh, I'm going contender also, Tom, I don't mean to throw some salt in the wound, but Cincinnati's, uh, tweet they put out of all the, like clipping together the Brian Kelly, uh, interviews from when he was at Cincinnati talking about how it's the place to be was, like just elite <laughs> social media, just like whoever whoever tweeted that out deserves an award. There we go, second week in a row with a chef's kiss, uh, <laughs> and it just some great content uh, that they're that they're giving us, that they're providing us. Uh, uh, <laughs> did you see? Did you see the video, Tom? No, no. no. Okay, I, I stayed off social media after 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 the game. Um, yeah, it was. Well, uh, so for anybody that didn't tough. see it, it was literally it was just a bunch of clips from like Brian Kelly press conferences from when he was at Cincinnati and they formed it into like a him saying saying something but it was ultimate ultimate troll job ultimate troll uh, job they've talked a lot of smack for only winning five games so they better hope they win out <laughs> otherwise they yeah. come back to bite or it is all for nothing you're right you're yep. right absolutely right Tom all right and just quickly because you're talking about strength of schedule and I pulled it up uh I, I can't see Cincinnati's last year, but when the argument for UCF um, was, oh, they're starting to schedule shit because they're in the American, uh, mm. typically I think the 2017 team was like 102 strength of schedule, uh, and I believe the next year was like 88, or those might have been right. swapped, but so still pretty low. Um, the Cincinnati team, I'm looking at it right now, strength of schedule is 58, um, which is not the best, but it's not as low even as some of the teams above them uh oklahoma's currently is 72nd and ohio state's currently is 55 so they're in the mix there um as far as strength of schedule goes so i'm sold yeah we'll see how that goes and i'm glad you corrected yourself and said contender at the end because you said pretender first and i was like oh did i say that <laughs> yeah oh, okay Twice. well yeah i didn't mean that i meant <laughs> contender you guys know i mean i'm obviously i'm not often wrong on the show but <laughs> Uh, just, I'm just had, yes, just, no, I meant, I meant contender. I say a lot of wrong shit all the time. So just, thank you for calling me out on that. Cause I totally would have been like, what do you mean? I wouldn't, I would not <laughs> even have noticed. There we go. I just had, just had to double check there. Good. Uh, we're going to move on to the next segment. Uh, I'm going to 
going to do a quick little ruling on the field. Uh, we're going to make a ruling about things that are a little bit of a toss-up uh, that people probably argue all the time about on social media. Uh, the first one here, uh, we're going to talk about uh, what is the ruling on the field for fans and, uh, sorry, coaches and players apologizing to fans uh, after some smack talk goes wrong. Uh, the first one we have here um, that is the best example of the week was Lane Kiffin. Uh, he said, get your popcorn ready uh, in a pregame interview. People got their popcorn ready, but for all different reasons, as Alabama absolutely smacked Ole Miss all over the field. Uh, what is the ruling on the field for this one, Tom? Uh, apologizing for smack talk. Yes or no? Um, I mean, I would say no, but in this case, you're playing, <laughs> Alabama. You're playing, you're playing Alabama. At least wait until halftime. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> you don't know how the game's going to unfold. Um, yeah, you have to apologize because you just, you didn't do anything in the game. You did nothing. Alabama pretty much steamrolled over the Rebels. And look, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I mean, you really shouldn't have to apo- apologize for smack talk. But um, in this case, you might have to because, <laughs> I mean, you really put out an abysmal performance against the number one ranked team. And it's just something you don't do. And, you know, if he did this sooner, you know, Bama would have had that written on a wall or or, or something, you know, Lane Kiffin, quote unquote, get your popcorn ready. (laughs) Yeah. More locker room material. uh, As we talked about last week um, with Ritter's comment, Uh, I'm going, no, you should never apologize for something like this. Uh, It's very obvious that it's, just him trying to get his team hyped up, trying to get the fans hyped up. They were an underdog through and through that game, despite you know how fun that team is. I wanted them to win. Uh, I wanted Arkansas to win also. Like I said, let's shake things up. Um, but they were big underdogs. Uh, so you need things like that. Uh, you want your coach, um, you know, to help as much as possible. And you know, if they're, in, you know, those guys are in the locker room watching that kind of stuff. Um, these aren't small schools. They got they got TVs in there. They're, they're watching Lane uh, as they're getting dressed. Um, I don't think you ever apologize. Yeah, they got they got smacked. Um, yeah, if there was a scenario where you would apologize, this probably is top of the list as maybe you should. Um, but yeah, it, it's all just hype. Um, there's no no harm, no foul here. Um, but another one I want to bring up. Uh, was one that I saved the SMU coach Sonny Dykes uh, apologizing because his SMU players tried to plant the SMU flag uh, on the TCU logo a few weeks ago. Uh, he came out and apologized because there was a little bit of a scuffle there. Um, again, typically I think that's absolutely hilarious. Uh, that was a big win for SMU. Like you said, they're ranked 24 now. Um, they could be the biggest test for Cincinnati here as if they continue to move up the rankings. Um, as a team, it's listen. These kids are are going to do stupid things like that. Um, planting a flag at your opponent's field, or maybe just let them get off the field first if you're going to do that. I guess is what I would say. Um, but don't don't apologize for it. The kids are having fun. They just had a big win against an out of conference opponent uh, in a, a, from a P5 conference. So let it happen. I'm going no on this one. Uh, Andy, what's your ruling? Um, yeah, I don't think you should have to apologize. I think it's 
funny. Like, you know, like Lane <laughs> has always been able to like take a joke and not really take himself too seriously too. Like, especially, you know, after the whole falling out that he's had <laughs> with three different fucking <laughs> stops as a head coach. But I think he just kind of caught, got caught up in the moment here. Like this was a big night for him. This was his first trip back to Tuscaloosa since being the offensive coordinator in you know, from 2014 to 2016, Ole Miss scored 48 points against Bama in the, in the year before and put up 647 yards. I'm sure he was thinking like, hey, we're about to do that again. Um, you know, he was quoted and saying, I don't even know why it came out. And I actually said to offensive coordinator, to my offensive coordinator, uh, I got on the headsets and said, <laughs> and said, I just said something really stupid. You better score <laughs> a lot of points. Uh, and they, they, they did it. So looks like he knew what he said, like at, like in the moment, um, you know, he threw the heads that he, he, you know, I, I think he just got caught up in the moment. He was excited for the game. He said he didn't really even know what it came, where it came from. He, he thought he heard somebody <laughs> say it in the locker room. Uh, and you know, the, the Alabama, you know, sending, uh, their mascot out with the popcorn. Costume. That was great. He actually, he actually quoted the tweet and, and said it was funny. So I, I like, he knows that's all in good fun. Uh, but I'm sure next time they play Alabama next year, he he will not be saying anything about it, or he'll they'll they'll probably make some type of joke about it in, in his pregame interview next year. Just book that. But yeah, I don't think he should have to apologize. I, I it's not like he came out and said he was going to execute his players or anything, right, Tom? <laughs> Which Brian Kelly love it, love the non-apology there. He stuck with it. So oh yeah, no stick. To your I'm all about that. Also, one. that was I joke about that, but that was dumb. Like obviously, you have to be living under a rock or just an absolute idiot to think he wants to fucking line up his players and go fire. <laughs> like what the fuck? Like he's a football coach. He's trying to get his players riled up. Yeah, uh, and we'll move into our next one here. Uh, ruling on the field, conferences finding their teams. Uh, for storming the field after a big win. Uh, Kentucky, just this past week, was fined by the SEC for storming the field. Um, they that, beat... is, that due, is that due to COVID stuff? Uh, or... no. no, it's an SEC policy. That's dumb. Yeah, so I'm maybe a little bit more this year, but this was the third violation. Uh, the last one uh, was many years ago i think 2014 so at least in total totality it's not because of covid brian you you brought it up earlier this is kentucky's first home win over florida since the 80s like 86 or something like that god forbid they get a little excited and go celebrate with their team as somebody who stormed a field uh illinois over wisconsin <laughs> a couple of years ago no big deal there just changed the whole landscape of the college football playoff but uh it's incredible let the kids have fun. Those kids are hammered. You know they were rushing the field and going out to the bars uh, to, to celebrate some more. Clown, absolutely clown rule by the SEC. Clown rule by the SEC. Come on, dude. Come the fuck on. We just upset the number 10 team in the country that we haven't beat since God knows how long. Yeah, I'm excuse the fuck out of me for getting a little bit of excited. Yeah, so I'm also going no here. This, this is absolutely ridiculous i'm looking up the exact year uh the second violation was in 2018 um so not as far back as 2014 but that fine was a hundred thousand dollars this one was two hundred fifty thousand. i can understand if you don't want teams you know rushing the field three times in a year or whatever you know like a three strike rule for 18 months whatever you want to do when you're you know 
keeping receipts that are like a decade old where you have to, you know, you open the book of, of, of fines and you got to blow the dust off it just to see when their last violation was. Oh, sorry, Kentucky. You know, you rushed the field in 1987 uh, and then in, again in 2018. So now we got to fine you a quarter of a million dollars um, because you celebrated one of the biggest wins that you've had in recent years. This is very stupid uh, to me. I don't know. I'd be curious to see what the number is for, for other conferences. Um, obviously, the SEC is probably the biggest moneymaker, so the fines are probably the biggest. Um, but, I mean, there's got to be schools that probably can't afford it as much as, you know, <laughs> big-ass football programs like this. So, I mean, it, to me, I think this hurts more than it helps. Yeah, you don't want kids tearing down goalposts or anything, but, you know, if you're just going to party in, in the middle of the field, what, the, the the grounds crew has a little bit of extra work? Um, that's nothing. The field will recover. The grass will recover. Um, stop doing stupid As, shit like I this, mean, SEC. Player, player safety, right? Like, that's obviously important. You make sure they're not, like, in the Florida players' faces. Right. Like, hitting them. Or, <laughs> you know, I'm sure they're going to be throwing, like, the big fuck you and all that. But, yeah, yeah I mean, that that part of it. Also, it's not Kansas rushing the field over fucking <laughs> South Dakota. It's a ranked opponent. God damn it. Yeah. Tom? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you both said it best. Um, 35 years is a long time, but, you know, SEC does have a policy in place and, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you, you can't control a crowd, especially a crowd yeah. that's hammered watching their, their football team. And <laughs> I think it's a silly rule to have in place. I think part of it is due to the fact that the SEC has so many teams that are prone to getting upset because of how powerful that conference is so that when it happens, they just want to maintain order from like a stadium perspective, you know, you don't want to make your 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 work post game that much more difficult. So, but I totally see where the fans are coming from here. It's been a long time coming. UK undefeated <laughs> ranked team. Love to see it. All right, and then our third one here, third and last, injured first round prospects sitting out the remainder of a season if they have a little bit of a knock. Uh, obviously, the biggest name for this year is Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, he's been dealing on and off with some issues. He's come back, tried to play a little bit uh, in the Stanford game. Um, but he's a top three, maybe number one NFL prospect here. Uh, a few years ago, we had um, Ed, Ed Oliver out of Houston, sat out just the entire season, uh, didn't want to play at all, um, which you know some people think is understandable. Some don't want you quitting on your team. Jamar Chase last year sat out of COVID. Uh, and then as of uh, yesterday, uh, Derek Stingley Jr. decided to have foot surgery. Uh, and that'll end his season. Um, you know, he's looking forward to the draft as well. So, Tom, we'll start with you on this one. Um, what, what are your thoughts on on kids sitting out, um, quitting on the season early to look forward to the NFL draft? I don't necessarily love it because it hurts your draft stock. I don't think Thibodeau is guaranteed the number one, the number one overall pick. It depends on who's playing right now. It looks like it could be the Jaguars. It could be the Texans. Um, it could be the Jets. The Jaguars are a team that has their quarterback right now, so they could be looking for a defensive player. Houston's going to be looking for a quarterback, right? So, you know, that's something right there that you don't really know where you're going to end up in. I get it. He hasn't really done much in 2021. Eight tackles, one sack, and a forced fumble. And, you know, I mean, 
it's a shame they're coming off a 31 to 24 loss to Stanford and OT. So it gives you even more reason to kind of just sit out knowing that you're probably not making the college football playoff at this point. Um, but I think Thibodeau should play. I really do think he should play. But if it's going to risk his long-term impact in the NFL, then I think he should sit out. But in this case, I think Thibodeau should play. As far as Stingley goes, um, you know, Mel Kuyper listed him as the third best available player in the draft. I think Stingley should sit out. Uh, obviously, uh, he's going to be forced to because that's, you know, uh, that foot injury. You want to make sure you're 100% ready and teams don't get turned off by you, as we saw what happened last year with um, the amount of players that just dropped due to injury suspicion where Aziz Ojolari fell to the second round of the draft because people were concerned about injuries that happened to him in high school. In high school. Yeah, so I remember watching I that think, with you, and you were very surprised at, uh, at his drop. Well, it turned out he has three sacks in four games. So yeah. uh, <laughs> jokes on the other teams that passed on him. Yeah, uh, for me, it, this it's a tough one. Um, the Ed Oliver thing almost is better to me than quitting halfway through the season. Um, if you let your intentions known early, uh, I I can't remember his exact draft stock, but it it did bump up over the off season um, based on a few injuries. So I think once he you know moved solidly into the top ten. Uh, or a top 10 prospect was probably when he made that decision for someone like Kayvon Thibodeau. I, I mean, I understand it. If I was a player, like I'll be entirely honest. If I had a little bit of a knock and I knew playing, you know, could fuck up like a massive contract for me where you drop from, you know, top five out of the first round, I'm absolutely going to sit out. Probably even if there's like a 40% chance of getting to the national championship game, um, listen, you only get so many shots at a national championship, especially with these players usually coming out after three years, but you only get, you know, an even smaller amount of a chance at playing in the NFL, which is the ultimate goal here. So yeah, you, you want, you want to see these kids finish out the season, but I completely understand, uh, their decisions when they do decide to sit out. So I guess it all for, for Kayvon, like you said, that's the biggest one for this year, probably intends or depends entirely on how, the severity of his injury, which I don't think many people know outside of you know Oregon staff. So we'll see moving forward. Um, I believe he took a targeting in the Stanford game here, so yep. he'll, he'll get to rest yes. for that first he's half anyway. He's going to sit out in the first half of their next game. Yeah, so. he'll get a nice rest there. Uh, Andy, what's your ruling on this one? Um, you know, I like what Tom said about how you don't like love that they're sitting out, but you see why they're doing it. Guys, 1.4% of college football players make it to the NFL. These dudes know that, especially if you're a guy like Stingley, who's, you know, last year he dealt with injury. You're, you're done. Shut that off, get healthy. And let's play LSU is not going anywhere this year. Um, and you know why you said it, Brian, why jeopardize your chance to make it to the NFL? I think, uh, some, Tom, was it you that said he's the number three draft prospect right now? Yep. Um, yeah, he's just insane. He's been considered the best cornerback in college football for the past two or three years. I don't think he has much to prove uh, on the field at LSU that he can't, you know, just rehab, get healthy, and then do that in workouts with these 
specific NFL teams over the summer. Uh, as far as Thibodeau goes, um, I'd like to think that just this one loss wouldn't make him just go, okay, fuck this, because, you know, that, I mean, I feel like NFL teams could look at that and be like, well, the, we don't want that to, type of dude around. Like, maybe he would do that if, he, if you get to the pros. But, you know, Oregon's still in a position to win the Pac-12. You could still win a conference title. I think that does mean something to these guys as well. Um, but I think there's what, after, actually ESPN showed it, on Saturday, it's like if they were to lose to Stanford, they had an 11% chance of making the college football playoff. So you're saying there's a chance. Um, my ruling here is, I mean, I, I think these guys have so many people in their ear, especially if they're the high-level prospect telling them what to do. At the end of the day, if they make a decision and they believe it's best for them, who am I to tell them no? So uh, if they feel like sitting out, rehabbing, and working out on their own is, is the best way for them to prepare – uh, for their the next level, then who am I to tell them no? So I am I am uh, okay with this ruling. All or right, whatever, whatever I'm supposed to say, pro, what, what... <laughs> for it, against it. Yeah, whatever. for it. Yeah, I'm for it. I'm for it. All right, all right, uh, and that'll wrap up ruling on the field. We're gonna move into our shots and chasers, but before that, <laughs> we have our first round of pick'em records here. Uh, this is the collated record so far, as long as last week's performance, uh, pretty tight so far. Uh, I had to go back and watch these to pick out the records. Andy, um, this would be an even tighter race, but in the first three weeks, you talk yourself out of several Big Ten teams, uh, out of spite as an Illinois fan, uh, and flipped and lost all three of those. So, uh, you, sounds, sounds about right. Yeah, you could be 20 and 10 right now. Um. Uh, but you did starting, I think, in week four. I can't remember which team it was, but you did jump on the Big Ten uh, bandwagon and show some support, uh, and it got you some wins. So four and two this week. Tom also four and two this week. For me, not so good of a week. Uh, three and three. Um, but anyways, we'll move into the shots and chasers. Four week six. We have the Red River Showdown at noon as our. Noon shot here. Texas taking on Oklahoma. Tom, we'll start with you on this one. Who's taking it? Well, OU's favored by three and a half on the road. Texas four and one. Oklahoma five and zero. Oh. Spencer Rattler is completing seventy six percent of his passes. He's improving a little bit, but a six point win over Kansas State. It's not really convincing me that o Oklahoma can continue to win these types of games. Uh, Kennedy Brooks averages six yards per carry. I think he's a big catalyst in their offense. And Marvin Mims has been quiet. They've struggled to get him involved early on. Um, however, Texas has a 40-21 to 21 loss to Arkansas on their resume. And Arkansas just got blown out, shut out by Georgia. As where you look at Texas, you have Casey Thompson's the quarterback they're going with, and he's been good. Their running back is electric by John Robinson, seven touchdowns, and I like Jordan Whittington and Xavier Worthy, seven combined touchdowns. So both teams have weapons on offense. Uh, however, despite Oklahoma's troubles, I still think their undefeated season continues this week, even though they are at Texas. I had to think about this game for a minute just because of you know the way Texas has been playing as of late. But I think Oklahoma is going to skate by with a one-possession win against the Longhorns. All right, Andy, Red River Shootout, Showdown, whatever they want to call it these days, who's winning it? 
Guys, I've talked about how much I think Oklahoma are frauds all year. Casey Thompson and the Longhorns are marching into this game, and they are taking it away from Spencer Rattler. And that he, he's a crybaby. I don't like him. Um, so he has looked great this year, though. Okay, not great. He's looked good. He's looked okay. But there we did have very, very high expectations for this guy, somebody that came in as a Heisman favorite, somebody that is a NFL draft hopeful. But, you know, 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns to only four interceptions. He's not making as many big, big mistakes. Tom mentioned it. He's completing a high percentage, high percentage of his passes. They don't really have those, those big plays that they were getting last year, aside from really the West Carolina game this year. I mean, the offense hasn't been terrible. Uh, I believe they're averaging like 38 points per game, 433 total yards. Not terrible. They can move. Obviously, they're doing something right. Uh, if they're at five and zero, oh. but let me tell you, I think Bijan Robinson is about to have himself a game for the Texas Longhorns. He's got 650 yards and seven touchdowns already on the year. I think he goes big. I think Texas wins this game, and I think they win it by three. All right, I, I'm going Texas as well here. Um, I agree. Oklahoma is pretty fraudulent so far. This game is going to be a scorcher, 92 degrees at the Cotton Bowl. Um, I think these teams are going to be drained, and you're going to have to start looking at weapons that can produce uh, day in and day out. Rattler has not been doing that so far for me. Um, and on the other side of the ball, you have B.J. Robinson. Um, I think we've said his name probably 10 different ways over a couple shows. <laughs> I'm not sure which way it is, uh, so sorry there, uh, Robinson. But uh, I think he is probably... If you were going to bet on a player to have a standout performance, I think it's going to be him. So I'm going to put my money here on what is probably going to be a pretty even game. Um, but yeah, I think Texas is going to edge them out here. Rattler, 76%, but he still looks kind of shaky. Um, only has four interceptions, but Texas, in their three biggest games uh, that they've played so far, which is TCU, uh, Texas Tech, and that loss to Arkansas, they have six uh six turnovers in those three games. So um, if they pull off a few against Rattler here uh, and Robinson has a decent day, you know, Oklahoma's pretty pretty good with that rush defense, only 83 yards uh, allowed on the ground. Um, but, yeah, that it'll be a battle, but I, I like Texas here. Not sold on saying that they're back yet if they win, um, but I'm at least going to take them here for, for the this Red River shoot, shootout uh, 2021. Tom? Uh, well, yeah, like I said, I'm going with Oklahoma in this game. Uh, uh, sorry, did I already did with, I already go to you? Yeah, you, you already went, went over me. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going with the Sooners. I know my, my cousin's going to be at this game. Big Sooners fan, so can't go against Oklahoma. Yet. All right, so split decision on that one uh, at noon. We also have in the Chase slot, Oak, or Ohio State taking on Maryland here. Talia Tagovailoa probably butchered that as well. We love our names here, but we can't say them. Uh, is taking on number seven Ohio State, uh, who also has looked shaky like Oklahoma, but they've probably been improving uh, a little bit quicker than the Sooners have. Um, had some decent games, obviously. Travion Henderson um, showing out for Ohio State. Uh, Maryland coming off that loss to Iowa, fifty-one to fourteen. If Iowa scoring fifty-one points on you, you know you probably having issues. <laughs> um, but who knows? This could be a surprise game. 21-point spread here. 
Uh, Andy, we'll start with you on this one. <laughs> Who's winning it? Ohio State rolls. They're going to kick their ass. <laughs> uh, Talia Tagovailoa has six interceptions on the year. Five of those were last week against the Ohio State. Ohio, against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, I, this week against Ohio State, I I don't think he's going to throw five, but I don't think it's going to go well. They have Travion Henderson back for the Buckeyes, who's been outstanding with five. 500 yards and seven touchdowns on the year. CJ Stroud, after that slow start, is kind of coming to it, coming into his own, looks more comfortable. And I mean, how can you not be comfortable when you got guys like uh, Chris Olave, who just tied Chris Carter's touchdown record with 27 uh, for his career at Ohio State? And I, I think, uh, I mean, also Garrett Wilson has, has just been outstanding. I think there's too many weapons for Ohio State. Maryland are, they are a much improved football team. Uh, Michael Oxley has done, not done too bad of a job you know since taking over uh obviously they're sitting at four and one after this week i think they go to four and two the last meeting between these two teams was in 2019 ohio state took that one uh 73 to 14 uh this is in it's at ohio stadium it's in columbus maryland's got an uphill battle uh talia hasn't looked terrible besides that you know iowa game if they can take care of the ball i think they can keep it maybe stay within 21 but uh, I, I think Ohio State wins this game pretty easily. All right, Tom. Yeah, C.J. Stroud has really been coming on as of late. 13 touchdowns. They just blew up Rutgers last week. And mm-hmm. this is an offense that has scored 50-plus in two straight weeks. It's hard for me to see the Buckeyes losing this one, considering they're 21-point favorites. You have guys like Travion Henderson, who has seven touchdowns, averaging over nine yards a clip. Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are combining for nine touchdowns throughout the season. And defensively, I love their interior defensive line. I don't think Maryland's going to be able to run the football at all in this game. You have guys like Haskell Garrett and Tyleek Williams, who your two defensive tackles have a total combined seven sacks through five games. That's very impressive. Your defensive tackles should not be – I mean, those should be sack numbers for the season – for tackles. <laughs> that shouldn't be their sack numbers through five games. But, um, yeah, Brian, you mentioned that brutal loss to Iowa at home. And um, really the only player that scares me for the Terps is uh, Dante Demas Jr., over 500 receiving yards on the season. He has big play potential, but the Buckeyes are going to roll in this one and remain undefeated. Or, I'm sorry, improve the 5-1. and one. I stand mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i just to, just to be clear here i threw this game on here as a spite game uh despite the fact that it's a 21 point spread here and you know everyone is on ohio's or yeah ohio state uh arkansas ole miss you both let us down last week you could have been on here uh don't do this to yourself brian <laughs> i took him i threw threw him off the schedule uh, we, we threw a little bit of Big Ten action on there. Uh, yeah, mainly I just kind of want to watch, uh, see how Tally does against probably, you know, their biggest game of the season. Uh, I do think he's a really good talent. He could have gone pretty much anywhere. Chose Maryland. Um, you know, kind of a weird move. Uh, Maryland hasn't been the greatest. I think they had two seasons ago, they had a pretty decent season. But, you know, when you got Alabama knocking on your door because – you know, your brother went there and, you know, just about every other top 10 team knocking on your door. Uh, mm-hmm. Choose Maryland is very interesting. So I'd like to see how he does here in his his biggest test so far. Um, it'll be interesting to watch him progress 
as a player, but like you guys, you know, touched on all of these weapons for Ohio State. This is probably going to get ugly very fast. I'm actually on uh, the minus 21 here for Ohio State. I think they probably hit that by the third quarter. Um, so to depend on whether they want to coast or not, I think not. They've already got that loss, so they need to start pounding people um, to get back in the conversation, get on everyone's, uh, everyone catching their eye on what Ohio State is doing. Um, so I think they're just going to keep pounding the rock, um, running up that score here. I'm taking Ohio State as well. Moving into 330, the biggest ranked matchup for the Big Ten that has not included Ohio State since 1997. We have Crazy. number three, Iowa, versus number four, Penn State, both undefeated coming into this game. Uh, Tom, we'll start with you on this one. Who is taking this game? Well, both teams have been very, very impressive. And I think the line is one and a half right now in Iowa's favor. Both teams are 5-0. and uh, Penn State has some weapons, though. Jahan Dotson, 450 receiving yards on the year. Sean Clifford has looked a little better over the past couple of weeks. And their safety, Jair Brown, with three picks on the season. There's another name uh, for you defensively. But this is what scares me about Iowa in this game. Iowa pretty much has a clean schedule after this game. If you look at your schedule, if you look at the Hawkeye schedule, who could they potentially lose to? Illinois. <laughs> Can you imagine? This is the dilemma I'm having with this game. Am I sold on Spencer Petrus? No. He only has seven touchdowns on the year. But Tyler Goodson has been a damn good running back. And mm-hmm. Sam Laporta at tight end has been a great option for them the home crowd's going to be rocking they have a defense that features riley moss three picks on the year lucas van ness has four sacks and this is a stat to keep in mind iowa has not given up more than 17 points in a game this season and last year they went into happy valley and they slaughtered penn state they beat them by 20 points 41 21 final give me the Iowa Hawkeyes, and I know Andy is going to absolutely voice his displeasure on me <laughs> saying that, but Iowa is going to remain undefeated and improve to 6-0. and Andy, are you pleased or displeased with that call from Mr. Scavetta? Listen, I don't love it, <laughs> I don't, but uh, I think he's right. Uh, okay. I mean, I, Iowa leads the nation in turnovers. They, they've <laughs> forced 12 interceptions, 16 total takeaways, and they're second in scoring defense at 11.6 points per game. Sean Clifford has an uphill battle for the Nittany Lions here at quarterback. He's having a bounce back year, you know, last year going back and forth with Will Levis, who, you know, Levis ends up in Kentucky, you know, for the year, Clifford, 1300 yards, 11 touchdowns, only three interceptions. He has to take care of the ball. On Saturday, this is going to be a sloppy, sloppy Big Ten game, guys. We're going to, it's going to be like nine to six. I'm calling it field goals, punts from the 40 yard line, Big Ten football, run it down your throat and uh, see if they can stop you. Uh, I love Jahan Dotson, of course, on the outside for the Nittany Lions. We'll see if they can get him loose for a big play. I think that could go a long way. Um, but I mean, you mentioned it. Goodson's having an outstanding year. This defense has been untouchable, and I think they're going to have to continue to be untouchable on Saturday. But at at Kinnick, uh, I have to take Iowa here. Yeah. I I mean, I did not expect this to be a sweep, uh, 
but I'm also taking Iowa. Uh, the home, home home crowd, I think, is going to be very helpful. Um, listen, those turnovers are huge. I know probably no one here is on the Spencer Petras train. Um, he's a bit of a, bit of a slow, slow poke. Um, I mean, it's <laughs> kind of classic Iowa. So, I mean, I don't know what people expect, but the biggest thing to me is, you know, those turnovers and the fact that Iowa, um, that offensive line through the season so far, through those five games, has only allowed 11 sacks. He only has seven touchdowns. Sure, not the greatest QB in the world, but he's only they're only giving up, you know, sorry, yeah, 11, so about two sacks a game, 2.2 sacks a game. When you have a QB that doesn't have that star potential, what do you need to do? You just need to give him some time. If you can give him time and he can make decent decisions, you know, sure, dump it down five, six yards. If they need to kick field goals, do it. They've got the line to do it. They've got the defense to get the turnovers. Another thing, they have dominated time of possession, um, averaging 36 minutes uh, per game of ball time. And the only games where they've lost uh, time of possession was the easy game against Indiana where they just kind of, you know, uh, phrases is skipping me skipping my mind right now find it find it brian no, it's not find it's, it. it's not <laughs> it's not gonna come um but the indiana game and the kent state game um were the only ones where they lost time of possession the other ones just absolute domination those are three big things in a game like this it's going to be slow it's likely going to be low scoring time of possession turnovers and an offensive line that can give your qb time so i'm also going iowa here um very interesting that that was asleep. I thought we'd have someone on the Nittany lines there, um, but that is not the case. Uh, if you don't want to watch that game, you can watch a little bit of SEC action. We have Auburn taking on the Dogs on CBS. Georgia coming off an obliteration of Arkansas, a dismantling of Arkansas, taking on Auburn. Who's taking this game, Andy? Well, so you guys know how we saw last week, Bo Nix kind of just like scrambling for his life and making a couple of throws that you're just like, what the hell just happened? I think that's going to happen a lot, uh, minus the what the hell just happened throw. Like he's going to be scrambling for his life and he might actually die because this Georgia defense is just insane. The exact same thing they just did to Arkansas is about to happen to Auburn. I don't see how Auburn moves the ball in this game. You know, Hunter has been pretty serviceable at running back for the Tigers this year with 447 yards and four touchdowns. Um, but I I don't trust Bo Nix. I, I just can't. I know he had that great game last week in Baton Rouge, but this is the best defense in the country. Uh, I Like, they, they were able to put up 37 points last year, and they had or last year, uh, last week, and they had like 73 yards passing. It's like if they're <laughs> 270 yards on the ground, 70 yards passing, they still put up 37 points. I don't know how you're supposed to beat that, especially an Auburn Tigers team. I know they have to go to Auburn, so they'll have a little bit. Uh, they'll they'll probably have some juice there, but I just don't see how Brian Harson's squad is going to be able to get uh get by Kirby Smart's team here. I'm taking Georgia, and I'm taking them big. Tom. Yeah, I'm going with Georgia, too. I mean, despite the questions at quarterback, I mean, JT Daniels probably won't be available. Mm -hmm. um, Georgia's coming off that impressive 37-0 win. The defense has not given up more than 13 points a game this season. 
And one player who's really stuck out to me is their freshman tight end. Brock Bowers has four touchdowns. Um, you know, he's up there with Mayor for one of the best tight ends in the nation right now. And their defense is always good. Their defensive players always pan out in the NFL. McCoby Dean and Adam Anderson have been great. Um, Bo Nix, he has zero interceptions through five games, which has been impressive. But Andy did mention that his O-line has been struggling out there. They did lose to Penn State on the road. Um, you know, he mentioned Jar- Jarquez Hunter. I also like Tank Bigsby at running back, too. Four touchdowns for him. Tank. And the Tigers give them – I mean, they have 15 sacks. Through, so they're averaging three sacks a game. They're going to have to rely on pressuring this young quarterback. I think that's their only chance. I think Smoke Monday and Roger McCreary are key oh. in the secondary. But um, give love me Georgia. Smoke Monday. That is just like the best name of all time. It really is. Uh, you, you said Georgia, Tom? Georgia. Yeah, I mean, that's what I figured. Um, yeah, I'm taking Georgia as well. That was extremely surprising. Uh, I didn't, I mean, Bo Nix has always been sketchy, but I didn't think to look at his interceptions. I just figured there would be a few. The fact that he has none uh, with the way that his O-line makes him scramble is absolutely mind-blowing, honestly. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's just so many weapons here for Georgia, especially on the ground. They've got five guys who have over... Uh, 20 carries, so they're sharing the ball. Obviously, Zamir White, um, probably the top talent of that group, I would say. Um, but everyone's showing out. They already have two runners over 200 yards so far. Um, White has four touchdowns. They're just going to do exactly what they did to Arkansas. Again, it's going to be take two here, I think. Um, so, yeah, Auburn, sure, you got, you got the home field here. Not going to have those loud Georgia fans um, behind you, but like you said at the beginning of the show, Andy, this is by far the best defense in college football. Um, so I think they roll here. I'm um, taking Georgia as well. And then moving into our 7.30 slot, we have Kentucky, who just got fined for that big-ass win, that big-ass storming of the field against Florida, taking on a Derek stingley list LSU. Tom, is, is no Stingley going to be a factor here, and does Kentucky pull it off? LSU plays five straight-ranked opponents, and it starts this week with UK. Then they have to play Florida, Ole Miss, Bama, and Arkansas. I don't think they're going 0-5 in all five of those games. I think Max Johnson has been impressive, 16 touchdowns to just four picks. I know UK is favored by three and a half. Problem with LSU, their running game has been non-existent. They've clearly been relying on Kayshawn Boutte, who has nine touchdowns, tied for the most in the nation, by the way, through five weeks. And my favorite player on this LSU Tiger squad is B.J. Ojolari, four and a half sacks, and they have Damone Clark, a a solid linebacker. Kentucky is coming off a solid upset win over Florida, but here's a few concerns I have with Kentucky. Their quarterback play has been questionable, right? Will Levis, not the best quarterback out there. They have the leading rusher in the SEC with Chris Rodriguez, and they have the leading receiver with Wondell Robinson. However, what's missing? Their defense can't force turnovers, and they've also had a lot of luck on their side. Yusuf Corker has been good. J.J. Weaver has been good. But I'm going to be honest with you guys. After a big, big upset win like that, usually after that, you kind of come back down to earth. 
It's a classic letdown spot, Tom. It's a classic letdown spot. I watched Coach O's pregame interview last night while I was doing my notes. LSU will win this football game tomorrow. Okay. You might have flipped me here, Tom. Um, But I've been very undecided about this game. Uh, The win over Florida, I think, was really nice. But like you said, Levis... I mean, he's kind of like a Petrus, except he doesn't have that O-line to stop him from throwing a million turn, a million interceptions. Uh, eight touchdowns, six interceptions, not a great ratio there. Um, Max Johnson, uh, you know, having uh, an NFL dad, uh, a little bit better here. Hand up. I had no idea he was Brad Johnson's kid until this Saturday. I, that, I was... To be fair, I only knew it because Brad Johnson played for the Bucks. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, um, so you yeah. seen Brad Johnson's uh, trick trick shot videos on TikTok? Looks <laughs> like what he does now. I have I have not. Uh, kind of scary that someone <laughs> that age has a TikTok, but uh, I I might have to check it out. Might have to download TikTok for that one. Um, but yeah, Max Johnson making much better decisions uh, on a much better team. I do think you know the absence of Stingley is going to give Levis a little bit of a chance here, but I just think LSU is probably the better better team top to bottom um Keishon Boutte is just an absolute animal um like you said that they probably rely on passing a little bit too much um that could be because of Max Johnson um because he looks so good so early um but yeah that ground game they're averaging less than seven or so, well about 70 yards on the ground per game which is not typical of an LSU team um at all that usually get some some big running backs come out of there um going into the draft um yeah kiner two touchdowns 160 yards it's not great for a ground game for a team like lsu so i think kentucky has a chance here but um i like lsu to win it so i'm taking the tigers go tigers uh andy well you know i you know i love coach o go tigers that was a good <laughs> um, impression brian <laughs> thank you so <laughs> So we talked about Harbaugh earlier, right? And his back being kind of up against the wall. Coach O's back is up against the wall in Baton Rouge, guys. This is, you would never think to say that two years removed from a national championship. But in the craziness that is the SEC and all their fan bases that expect all their teams to win the national championship every single year, uh, Coach O is on the hot seat. Last year was bad. Uh, they're three and two now this year after blowing that game against Auburn last week. Um, you put most of their games coming up into must-win territory. You mentioned Boutte, Tom, against the AP top 25 ranked opponents. He's averaging 21 yards per catch. Get the ball in his hands and just let him make plays. Uh, we mentioned the run game not being really existent at all. I think that's going to have something that they're going to have to try to attack this weaker Kentucky defense at. But, I mean, Chris Rodriguez Jr., he's averaging 6.1 yards per carry in conference play. He's been incredible for the Wildcats. Levis is going to have to take care of the ball. But I also like his dual threat ability. He can kind of move a little bit with his legs. And then Wandell Robinson, I remember him from Nebraska, uh, the, the transfer. He is just absolutely electric. See if you can get him down the field, make some big plays without Stingley on the field. Kentucky wins this ball game, guys. As much as I hate, hate to pick against LSU, I love Coach O. Like Death Valley at night is a is a bucket list for me. Seeing seeing a game there, um, so but I just think Kentucky 
is the better team right now. They're a ranked team. They're gonna try. They're gonna try to prove something. One more win gets them bowl eligibility. Bob Stoops is probably the best coach that. Uh, is it Bob Stoops? No. Is who's their Mark Stoops? It's a Stoops. Whichever fucking one. <laughs> Stoop kids. Stoop kid. Stoop kid can't come off the stoop. Whichever <laughs> stoop uh, it is at Kentucky, he is arguably the best coach they've ever had. Um, I think LSU struggles again. I think they fall to three and three. Kentucky stays undefeated. I'm going against the grain. I got. I got to pick a different. I got to pick one different game from you guys trying to catch up in these standings. There you go. Uh, a little bit of strategy there, uh, mm-hmm. and then in our chase slot for seven thirty. We have Air Force, the Falcons, taking on the Wyoming Cowboys. Air Force 4-1. Cowboys undefeated so far uh, this game at Air Force. Tom, who's taking this? So Air Force, they're 1-1 one one in the Mountain West. And, you know, when I look at their schedule, I notice they've manhandled everyone else besides Utah State. And they only lost to them by four points. They're a run-heavy offense. Brad Roberts has been great for them, five touchdowns. Their quarterback, Hazik Daniels, has eight touchdowns. So they have two players with over 400 rushing yards. And Micah Davis has four rushing touchdowns and has their only receiving touchdown of the season. So you're going to see, you know, a lot of RPOs. You're going to see a lot of triple options in there. And that's going to confuse the heck out of Wyoming, I think. Uh, Vince Sanford, five and a half sacks for them defensively, and Corvan Taylor with three picks. They have good playmakers on their defense. When I look at Wyoming, Sean Chambers did not look impressive at all against UConn. UConn has been abysmal this year, and Wyoming <laughs> barely squeaked by them by two points. So, I mean, I mean, I, I really don't know. I, I mean, I'm going to go with Air Force here strictly due to the way that they've played against you know their first five opponents they've looked like the much better team and i think that six point line will definitely work out in their favor to have air force winning this football game all right andy i agree with everything tom just said i mean if you look at wyoming's first uh four games on the year they've won all but one of them by only one score and that includes that two-point victory over a yukon team that hasn't won god knows how long speaking of yukon real quick can't believe this didn't make shots and chasers um, winless UConn versus winless UMass this week. Ladies I thought gentlemen. about Get it. Up. I thought about it. Game of the century. <laughs> Game of the century. Um, but yeah, I'm not sold on you on, on Wyoming, right? So it's like their biggest win is a 45 to 12 victory over Ball State uh, in week three. But it just. Other than that, you know, you, you get UConn by two points. You beat a Northern Illinois team by a touchdown, which, I mean, albeit they did score 50, but they, they let up 43 in that game as well. And then you beat Montana State, who I believe is an FCS school, by only three points. So I'm taking Air Force. I think they're going to confuse them with the RPO, with the run game, and uh, I think they roll over the Cowboys, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's funny you brought up the uh, the toilet bowl because I almost put yeah. it, I almost did put it on here, but uh, <laughs> it was a close one. Yeah, so I I mean we haven't had any Mountain West action. Um, these are two decent teams here. Like you said, Tom, big run game from Falcons, uh, over three hundred yards, three over three hundred fifty yards actually per game on the ground. So the biggest stat you want to look at here, a team that runs that much, that heavy, that many carries. How many fumbles are they having? They've lost one fumble all season so far. That's really nice. They have five fumbles, you know, in total, but they've only lost one. Um, 
you know, I didn't go back and watch all the footage. Some could have been, you know, legitimate, you know, te- other team could have hopped on it. Some, you know, might just be flu- fluke things, but they've only lost one. Um, that's what you want to see when you're a team that focuses so heavily on the run here. This is a home game for the Falcons. Uh, I love the teams that can pull off, you know, the triple option. Uh, as an AAC watcher, we get this a lot. Um, UCF has played Georgia Tech a few times. We play Navy all the time. Uh, it's annoying to watch as an opposing fan, um, but as a neutral, it's really fun to watch. Uh, so I'm going with the Falcons here uh, and that run game over Wyoming. Uh, as we transition here, we have a segment that we are going to bring back uh, from previous years here. The Pac-12 disappoints day in and day out. Uh, so instead of giving it you know, full segments here, Putting it on shots and chasers, we give it the allotted time that it deserves, which is just 12 seconds. Uh, Andy has decided to take on the Pac-12 seconds <laughs> for this week. Uh, it's first week back in the 2021 season. Um, so on your go, uh, you can rant, rave, whatever you want about the Pac-12, and I will tell you when your time is up. Uh, and we no longer talk about the Pac-12 uh, today, so go at it. Uh, the Pac-12 refs are a fucking joke. They just gave Stanford that game. They absolutely blew Oregon's chances to make the college football playoff. Uh, fucking pass interference, my ass. That, uh, that receiver pushed off in the corner of the end zone. They got a free touchdown. Time. <laughs> All right. That was a, a pretty good Pac-12 seconds there. I like the speed at the end, uh, with a countdown, but that will <laughs> wrap. Gotta get it in. Gotta get it in. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta finish the thought. Uh, but that will wrap it up for us, you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe if you enjoy the show. Links are Two down in the four, description. Baby. Two and four. <laughs> and Andy's links also down below, and Tom's links also down below in the description. Enjoy the games this week, everyone, and we will see you next week.